Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of Star Brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better by balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited today. We'll be doing a review, Mastering 40 review. This is going to be a solo episode, uh, kind of basically me going back. What um, what were things that I felt good about so far in this process, which is a couple months left? What are some things I don't feel too good about and where I'm going from here? Uh, so before we get into it, I do want to give a shout out to Inside Tracker. I don't know if you saw the news. They spread it everywhere, as they should have. Inside Tracker is now partnered with Garmin. So on top of everything else that Inside Tracker does to you know look at your biomarkers, give you feedback on exactly how you can improve uh, in so many areas of your lifestyle and your nutrition and the things that you just can't see in the mirror or on the scale. In addition to all of that, they are now partnering, if you have a Garmin, with your Garmin so that they can upload a lot of that data to give them even more precise feedback with exactly what's going on with your body and to help their recommendations on how maybe you can optimize in certain ways. It really is an exciting partnership. And if you're already a Garmin user, just another reason to use Inside Tracker. So go into my show notes, you'll get the, the link for Inside Tracker, and you'll also save 25% on all Inside Tracker purchases. I mean, what's better than that, right? I mean, this, this really is such a useful service. Even the best athletes in the world use Inside Tracker because they know that they just can't feel what's going on in their body. They need to know where their iron levels are at, where their ferritin levels are at, where their testosterone is at, where other hormone hormones are at, um, amongst many other things as well. And Inside Tracker is one of the best in the business at doing just that. So let's get into it. Here we go. All right, I'm going to move my microphone a little bit. I'm so excited to talk about this um, for, see, you can actually hear me shifting things around. Here we go. See, this is just a little peek into podcasting world. All right, here we go. So I, where I'm going to start is basically where um, things that I felt good about in terms of the process. Actually, you know what? I'm going to start where where we left off last time and just in terms of where things are, are with my knee and my health. All right, so just a little little health update. I got an MRI done on my knee. Uh, I got the results back about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and the results showed that I had bursitis in um, two areas within my knee. So some people who get bursitis get it like on their patella or on their kneecap, and you can kind of see the little bulge, the little bursa sac filled with fluid. Um, that's not for me. You can't actually see the swelling. Uh, on my knee. So they're inside. Um, there are very specific names for the bursa sacs. We don't need to get, we don't need to get into that level of detail, but that's what's going on. Uh, there was basically there's two ways. Maybe there's more than two, but two, two primary reasons why someone would develop bursitis, uh, in their knee or basically any other place. And that is either from a direct impact on that joint. Um, so say like I was playing baseball and I got beamed by the pitcher, right? Ball hits me in the knee. That could cause bursitis. Um, maybe something more close to home. If I got bashed in the knee by my son who's swinging a baseball bat or something. Um, or, and what happened to me is just general, either poor mechanics or, uh, and, or, um, just insufficient strength in my posterior chain leading to poor mechanics, which then leads to 
bursitis, uh, kind of building up over time. So uh, while we never know exactly what happened because it wasn't a, an event in terms of, you know, me being, me getting bashed in the knee, um, it looks and appears as though my poor form because of my lack of strength in certain areas, specifically my glutes and my posterior chain, have led me down a path where it kind of leads to the bursitis and um, that's where I'm at. So how do you solve for bursitis? Well, oftentimes just taking a break uh, a week or two often alleviates the swelling and then you go from there, right? And then hopefully solve the problem and then away you go. Uh, that wasn't the case for me. As you may recall, I've had two extended breaks uh, where I wasn't running or really even, especially this time, doing much of anything, frankly. Um, but, you know, I had my MRI done four weeks after my flare-up and the, there was still bursitis there, right? I mean, the MRI showed that there was bursitis, which shows you that four weeks off was not enough to alleviate it. So, We'll see what happens. So I'm currently working hard on strengthening my posterior chain and doing all the things that I should have been doing all along. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> but um, working hard on my lower body uh, to correct any um, any issues that are there with the hopes of that will alleviate some of the pressure in the knee. That may not be a silver bullet solution. We'll see what happens. I did test the knee yesterday. I did quarter mile repeats. I uh, did five of them with a one minute standing break in between. It felt good. I uh, ran easy pace. Wasn't like a quarter. Wasn't doing 400 meter repeats like at 5K pace or anything. Just nice and easy. Um, so I uh, feel good today. But we'll see. The, the, the strength part may not be a silver bullet solution. I may need to have them drained um, and, or get a, um, a cortisone shot. So we'll see what happens um, and and take it from there. So let's talk about things that I feel good about that has gone on uh, since August of 2020 when this journey started. So um, there's, there's some things. Obviously, I'm not I can't say I'm happy with where I'm currently at because I'm basically back at square one, but I can't let that change the fact that there are some positive things that happened this year and I um, need to be aware of them and catalog them and, and, and talk about them, right? Even in the most crazy circumstances, you can take positives from them and this wasn't that crazy of a circumstance, so there are plenty of positives to discuss. Okay, so in no particular order, we had, for me, a big thing was the slow build in the first two or three months um, of the Mastering 40 process uh, in terms of you know time on feet and mileage and intensity. So that slow build was, I thought, really well done. And I was very happy with myself in terms of not jumping the gun on anything to ensure that I'd come back healthy, right? I didn't get hurt in 2020 from any sort of lingering issues, right? I didn't have anything pop up over use injuries or going too hard, too fast. None of that. It was from a progression standpoint in terms of mileage and, you know, quantity and quality. It was pretty linear and it wasn't at a, at a steep slope, but it was a linear progression. And, you know, those first two or three months I thought went really well. And I was very excited uh, about how I was able to kind of, you know, slowly get back into it bit by bit by bit. And I felt that really laid a good foundation for what could potentially come down the line. Um, I know that both my running coach, James McCurdy, and my sports psychologist, uh, Adrian Lonslier, felt the same way. Things were really progressing well. I think everyone was optimistic and for good reason. So I do want to take something from that. That was that was really good. Okay. Um, 
Also, another big thing, I never really had a um, a down week in mileage based on just me flaking out, right? I never, there were times where I didn't, you know, maybe do the cool down long enough or things like that. So maybe like instead of having a 40 mile week, I had like a 37 mile week, uh, which Hey, if you want to do something you've never done before, you need to you need to hit all the marks, and we're going to talk about that in a second. So that wasn't great, but we're talking about the good stuff now. So the things that I'm things that I feel good about, I'm trying not to judge it. So I'm going to say good or bad. These are things that I feel good about. So um, no down weeks. It wasn't like I could look back on like say the first week of November and say, hey, man, 17 miles that week, like that that was that was unnecessary, right? Though that was purely by my decision or lack of getting out there or and I can't blame anyone but myself for that. And I didn't have any of those those kind of extended weeks. And that was a positive because I can't say that that has always been the case in my my running career, just athletic career in general. Um in the fall we didn't actually, I've never done like a real race race this entire time. It just hasn't worked out uh, health wise. But um, I did do a 5K and a 10K in the fall and in kind of the early winter. And both of them had a very specific purpose in mind in terms of like, okay, we'll start out at this pace and then kind of progress as you go and then kind of open it up near the end. Both of them had that same sort of feel. Uh, and I executed both of those really well. And it was so exciting to do that. Uh, again, it wasn't a race race, but in the last third or so of each of those efforts, uh, 25% last 30% of each of those efforts, I did open it up, but I was able to hold myself back in the beginning. And then even in the 10 K, I probably held myself back probably a little more than I needed to, um, it was one something where I, I erred on the side. Not only did I err on the side of caution, but I was a little scared. I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to uh, really open it up because I think in the first in the first time I did it, things just didn't go didn't go great. And I kind of gave it another try, uh, and it went really well the second time. And I didn't, um, you know, I didn't really kind of put myself behind the eight ball in terms of pacing. In fact, I probably could have run a little faster in the beginning, but that's a trade off I was willing to make because it was more of hey. Can I finish at the end and can I get past certain hurdles? And for me, one of those hurdles has always been going out too fast in races. So it was nice to kind of do the opposite um, in both a 5K and 10K work that uh, what I hoped would set the stage for the future of really kind of continuing that uh, as I went along. Okay, another one. Staying consistent in the winter months. Running in extreme weather. I wouldn't say Rhode Island is extreme weather, but running, you know, at the, 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 at both ranges of, um, inclement weather can be tough, right? Whether it's the first week of August and it's hot and it's humid, even in the middle of the night to say nothing of the middle of the day, that can be tricky. And then the other end of the spectrum of, Hey, it's January in New England and it's cold and it's not fun to be outside. And are you going to run? anyway. You're going to get stuff done anyway, and hopefully still enjoy it anyway. And while my left knee injury popped up on February 9th, I will say that prior to that, the six weeks prior to that, I was out there. I was consistent. I I didn't quite hit the mileage that uh, Coach James had on the calendar, um, but I wasn't far off. And I was able to kind of, you know, get out there. I didn't miss any days that I shouldn't have missed. Um, I didn't have any situation where Again, there's nothing wrong with taking an off day or if you're really, really stressed and things are really coming down on you to take a, take a day and, and relax. Uh, I'm saying more of like, I never just 
skipped out on a day without a good reason. Um, and that was good. I was happy with that because again, those 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 tough winter months, tough winter months, and tough summer months um, can be tricky, uh, especially when you're just so darn uncomfortable. Um, for me, summer's always been tougher than winter. I think most people are the same way because. You can always just put on more clothes in the winter. Right? You can make it work. Um, you can heat yourself up. It's hard, if not impossible, to cool yourself down. Uh, once you get once you get boiling out there in a hot day, there's not much you can do to cool yourself down while you're still exercising. Um, but I was happy with the with the with the winter consistency. Um, and then lastly, I stayed on schedule with the show. I told you every three weeks we'd be putting out an episode, and we've been able to do that. And there are times where I've not wanted to do that because I haven't been um, proud of um, my effort or my mindset or other things or um, just, you know, just sometimes there's things where even as someone who's been doing this for a long time, this is my profession. There are some days I don't want to record, even though I really enjoy the conversations. It's just sometimes you just get in your own head about things. And even in those circumstances, I was able to stick with it and consistency with certain areas of my life has been, have been a struggle over time. Um, but luckily this wasn't one of them. So even when conversations were tough or not enjoyable, or we're talking about an injury and that's not exactly necessarily a fun conversation to have, I've been able to stay consistent with, um, marking all this stuff down. And that has been, um, a big thing for me and something that I am proud of. So we do a quick ad break and then we'll get into the things that I don't feel so good about. Uh, as compared to all the things that I just mentioned. Do you need to replenish your outside running gear for the nice warm weather? Head over to Tracksmith today. They have some of the best stuff, and they're always putting out new stuff, which is something that I can appreciate, especially for a brand that has such just iconic things already in their collection. They're always updating, and not just with new colors either. So head over to Tracksmith and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save 15% on your first order over $75. I am just in love with their gear, especially their shorts. I am just a huge fan of their running shorts. And um, hey, I can start wearing them again soon. I'm, I'm not going to be running anytime soon. But in terms of the weather, maybe I'll wear them when I'm mowing the lawn or something. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely love wearing their running shorts, and you should go check them out today. All right. So things that I don't feel so good about. <laughs> so as I was writing this list down, this was harder because there were different ways I could approach it in terms of like, all right, are there, 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 there are certain moments that I can think of that I'm not too proud of, or that I, that I regret, or I wish I could change. And then I was like, all right, that list could go on forever and how useful is that going to be? And then I was thinking, all right, maybe is, is there ways to distill, to distill into certain categories, maybe overarching themes and things like that. And I think ultimately the biggest overarching theme here is mindset. I think mindset has been the biggest thing, the biggest challenge for me, and the thing that um, not every single aspect of mindset, but certain parts of my mindset that um, I do not feel good about. And I am excited to change moving forward because this experience has really illuminated it in ways that I shouldn't say it has like, it's not like I didn't know about these things before, but I think it really shoved it in my face in terms of Take a look at this, please. This is obviously something that you need to work on. Um, 
And it's just a matter of working on it. These aren't things that are, um, you know, incredibly difficult to get past. It's just a matter of being intentional, intentional about doing so. So I'm going to list them first and then I will get into them. Um, and then we're going to finish up with just results, not results, but where, where we're going to go from here. So ownership, right? What I'm taking ownership of standards, the standards I'm setting for myself and that I'm choosing to live up to acceptance for me, acceptance of reality and, um, feeling special, um, on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, and I'll explain that more, uh, later. So ownership. So mindset of ownership. Okay. Ownership of the process. So for me, let's talk about how this, this played out in a not so great way for me. So, um, it's taking ownership of the process and taking ownership of what I can control and what I can't control and going from there. So, um, a great example of this is my nutrition. So, uh, beginning of this journey, I was working with a dietitian and in the first six to eight weeks, it just wasn't clicking, right? This person is a great individual, someone I have immense respect for, but I end up gaining like six pounds in like six to eight weeks, right? And this was not what I wanted. This was, I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted to lose six pounds over the first two months. And again, that wasn't my explicit goal, but that was the direction I wanted to head. It was not gaining weight. It was more losing weight. And uh, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different reasons for this. Uh, but ultimately, when things didn't go well, I just thought, you know what? I'll just figure this out on my own. This obviously isn't working. Um, I'm just going to take action. I will figure this out and we'll take it from there. That was the wrong Okay. Um, and taking ownership for me in this instance, in this instance was taking ownership of the fact that I am not a professional. And even if I was, sometimes we need the help of other pros who can see what we're doing wrong and work from there. So what I should have done was just to address the situation like, Hey, this isn't working. Um, here are some things that I think, um, some reasons that I think that, that this method or what we're currently doing, it doesn't fit like what I'm currently uh, or what my body needs or my hunger patterns or things like that. Like ultimately I was just taking in way too much food. Um, and with the idea of like, Hey, if we have these huge meals, you're not going to snack. And I think the person was coming from a place or most of the clients that they have probably under fuel. And that wasn't my problem. My problem was always like, Hey, we're probably over fueling here. We need to cut back a little bit. So I didn't take ownership of the fact that, they're the pro, not me. Understand where the um, the differences are, and work with this person in a way that um, you know, in a way that's going to be that's going to be beneficial to me, and in the, in the, in uh, and not just simply throw out my hands and be like, oh, this isn't working. I'm moving on uh, because I need to take ownership of the fact that they're the pro and not me. This has also happened in my conversations with Adrian, where I do, especially when things weren't going great, I was doing a lot of yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And it wasn't because I was disagreeing with her. It was often rooted in the fact that I felt like what I was saying, like I, that I wasn't communicating appropriately 
so that her response was perfectly rational, but that I just wasn't expressing myself clearly enough to her in order for her to completely understand where I was coming from. And it was like that. Oh God, that, that idea like makes me so frustrated because it frustrated myself. Like the hubris involved in that is embarrassing. And she's a pro. She does this. She talks to so many athletes, so many people. She's been doing it for such a long time. Why would I think that, um, <laughs> that, that she didn't understand what I was saying? You know what I mean? She probably knew far better than I did what I was saying and take ownership of the fact that like, Hey, no, these are the recommendations. This is what she's saying. Take a minute to reflect. And even, even if she didn't quite understand what you were trying to say because you didn't communicate it right, that doesn't mean that what she's saying is necessarily incorrect. A great example of this is a conversation that you'll probably never hear. It was one that was recorded last week. Um, God, I was such a petulant child. Again, I wasn't like being mean to Adrian in a sense, but it was more like, just nothing, nothing that she was saying I was taking in. I was completely stuck in my own head. And it was a complete waste of her time. 100%. A complete waste of her time. And I need to take ownership of that. Is that here are two professionals that I've worked with that I wasn't approaching them with the amount of respect. Not in terms of like collegiality, but more like, hey, these are pros. Take it in. Have a sense of humble, uh, be humble enough to accept the help. Um, doesn't mean you can't offer some, some feedback and say, Hey, this is working for me. This isn't working for me. Let's work together. Um, but ultimately I didn't do a great job of that. And I need to take ownership of that fact. Standards, the standards with which I needed to have in order to do something that I've never done before. Right. So I wanted to reach a level of fitness that I never had before. So in order to do that, the standards with which I conduct myself in all areas of my life that pertain to my running needed to be raised. And that was something that I did not do. And this was this all these things, these mindset things that I mentioned, ownership standards, acceptance, um, and this feeling of being special, um, they all overlap in certain ways. From the standards perspective, that I basically wanted to achieve my goal, but on my terms in a sense. And a great example of this is what ended up potentially causing my knee injury of that. I didn't do the strength work needed not only to become a better runner, but also to stop this injury from happening, right? If I had done the strength work on my posterior chain that I was aware of as a running coach, I know, and I know very well uh, that I've, you know, talked to certain athletes about uh, in my own coaching experience. If I had done that, and raised my standards of what I was willing to do to achieve the goal, then this wouldn't potentially have happened. And there is a great example of this. I got a a DM on February 22nd uh, from this woman, Jen, who's also a PT. And she, I think at the time was... um, I'll just basically basically what she said was like, hey, Matt, I've been loving the episodes. um, And we'd we'd, sent DMs back and forth uh, prior to this, uh, this exchange. And she basically said, hey, I'm reading Alexi Pappas' book, Bravery. Um, and she said, hey, in the book, she talks about being interested in something versus being committed to something. And it's a great part of the book. And it made an impression on me. And thinking about your experience in Mastering 40 
I have a question for you. Do you think you're truly committed to this or merely interested in this? Because it seems to me that you're just interested. Now, when I first read that DM, I was not the most pleasant guy to be around. I was not happy. I was like, what is this? I've, de- I've devoted like at that point, like eight months to mastering 40. I feel like I'm doing all this stuff. It's I'm, now I'm, I'm an injured runner. I didn't do anything to cause this. Where is this coming from? I was, you know, I, I was like, you know, like, what, what is this? What is this nonsense? This is not, this is not true at all. Of course I'm committed. Like I'm literally committing like a large part of my life to this. And then I think a day went by, she sent me a message like, Hey, I, I would really love an answer to my question. I would love to know if you are interested or committed. And at that point, I was like, what is going on? Like, this is, this seems like a pretty personal question. What's going on here? I thought about that DM exchange every day for like three months. And I went back and read it a bunch. I flagged it in my DMs and go back and read it. And the reason that I kept going back to read it is because I knew that there was a kernel of truth in there. And then <laughs> ultimately, much more than a kernel of truth, a whole bunch of truth in that in that statement from Jen. And I sent her a note, I think it was a week ago or a week and a half ago. And it's like, hey, I've thought about your question every single day since you sent it to me. And as much as I don't want to admit it, you are absolutely right. 100%. I was interested. I wasn't committed. Doesn't mean I didn't do lots of things to be better as a runner and be uh, and to achieve my goals. But I didn't go for that higher standard of what it actually took. I didn't get the, you know, the sleep that I needed. I didn't eat the things that I needed to eat or stay away from the foods I didn't need to eat. I didn't do the strength work that I, that I needed to do. I think from a running perspective, while I wasn't perfect in terms of the mileage, I was, I did a lot there, right? I think at least if you're on a scale of one, one to 100 in terms of match, doing what I was supposed to do on the calendar, I was at like a 94. Right. I did real, I did pretty much almost everything on the calendar, um, to the fullest extent. Again, not perfect, but not too far removed. Um, but it was a lot of the other stuff. And that was the idea of like, Hey, these are the also things that had plagued me in the past. And I didn't change. I didn't change during mastering 40 in those endeavors. I had all of the help in the world. I had professionals assisting me with all of these areas. And I was unwilling to change my standards to meet the, to meet the needs or to meet the requirements of the goal that I was expressing that I wanted to get. Okay. Acceptance of reality. Um, this ties a lot into the standards of, Hey, you are, you know, you've, you've so much going on in terms of the things that you say you're going to do and the say that, that you want to do but you aren't actually doing them. I never really confronted myself with what was happening. Um, and that was my fault because I was aware of what I was not doing. I was aware of where I was falling short and none of this was a surprise to me. It wasn't like someone came in after the fact and like, no, Matt, I didn't say five and a half to six hours of sleep. I said, six and a half to seven hours of sleep or six and a half to eight hours of sleep, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like I was duped. It wasn't as if I was unaware or naive or even ignorant of a lot of these things. I was very well aware of them. 
I was aware of where I was falling short, but I was lacking in the acceptance of that reality and just kind of kept the trains moving for whatever reason. Last thing, um, the feeling of being special. Now I say this in terms of both ends of the spectrum. Not that like I'm undeserved of being loved or liked or anything like that. Not that kind of special. I'm talking about, hey, I can do what I want in order to achieve this goal because I'm a special athlete. I don't need to do what everyone else needs to do, right? Kind of ties into the standards feeling uh, that we brought up. Or the other end of the spectrum of like, see, I'm doomed. It's never going to work, right? This The catastrophizing, right? Either an elitist, feeling of like, I don't need to do what everyone else does, or this catastrophizing feeling of like, see, it's never going to work. It's never going to happen for me. I'm always getting injured, things like that, right? Instead of staying grounded in the middle, and, and James brought this up to me before. He's like, hey, he had this great quote, I think it was like two or three months ago, and a lot of you guys actually liked it and told me about it and um, sent it back to me in forms of DMs. Like, hey, you're not so special that if you do the training that it won't work. Right. Sometimes we think of the other end, right? Like, oh, you're not so special. You're not so great. He was talking about it special the other way. Like, you're not so special that you're not going to be responding to the training. Like, you're going to respond to the training. You're not so special that all of a sudden things that work for everybody else in this life all of a sudden aren't going to work for you. Like, of course they're going to work for you, but you got to do them. You got to do the things. And um, that was uh, right on the money his part. So that's where I'm at some things that I don't feel great about um, that happened. And a lot of it, you know, all of it starts with me, right? Look in the mirror, not out the window. Um, No one else on this journey did things that stopped me um, or, you know, slowed me down or any of that, right? They were there, they were accelerants. And I, uh, I was the reason why certain things didn't work. And I need to do a better job in a lot of those areas. So moving forward, where do we go from here? Where do I go from here? So um, right now, testing the knee. Rain yesterday. I'm going to do a little test tomorrow. So Friday, uh, May 28th, do a test. Uh, I'm going to be doing five by three minutes easy running, two minutes walking. I'm going to do the same thing on Sunday. So I'll take, uh, so I'm taking a day off today from running. I'll do the same thing on Saturday, take a day off. Um, on those days, I'll be doing strength work. So I did a full body, uh, strength routine today with a special focus on my posterior chain, you know, my glutes, my hamstrings, um, my core posture, stuff like that. Uh, because those are the areas where, uh, I'm a little bit weaker in, but also, you know, I'm going to do the pull-ups and the push-ups and, to, and stuff too, because that's also important. And I just like doing them. So, uh, they're not going to hurt me. So I, in becoming a better, stronger athlete is always a, a, a good thing to do. So I'm going to do that over the next week and then I will take it from there. Um, but the most important thing are the things that I talked about. It's like, okay, what are my standards? I'm going to meet them, right? I'm going to set higher standards and I'm going to meet them. I'm going to take ownership of that process and make sure that I'm doing the right things in terms of things that I can control and the things that people are helping me with. And I'm going to work with those individuals to make sure 
that I'm implementing the things that they're saying, right? How many times has Adrian said the same things to me over and over again? And it just, it's like, she's saying it at like a brick wall. It just keeps bouncing back instead of me absorbing the lessons that she is implementing or spreading uh, or saying to me, I should say. Um, so that's going to be a key thing for me. Um, and then just the specialness of it. Okay. You're not some special snowflake in all, in either direction. Things aren't impossible for me, nor can I just do whatever I want and get special results, right? I need to do the things that are vital for me and for so many athletes. If I want to reach these goals and this enjoyment of running that I've always wanted, you know? So last thing um, is just the idea of goals. And for me, that's been a struggle in the past because I have been... Um, not so much during this process, but I do know that as I get closer to a goal, that's when the goal itself becomes like basically takes all the meaning from the work. Uh, so, you know, the first four or five months was great because I was so far from being like really, really fit that the goal of mastering 40 didn't even matter. I was so far off from it. Like forget 40 running 40 minutes in a, in a 10 K like I'm just trying to like run a 10 K. Right. So the goal didn't matter. But I have experienced in the past is the closer I get to a goal, the more hyper focused I become um, towards that goal and the less enjoyment I get from the process of the all the activities that I enjoy doing and making sure that I keep that enjoyment, that I keep that excitement up and really just trying to be in a good place with all of that, because ultimately this is something that um I've known at points in my life and that I'm I'm relearning now is if you don't have that full-fledged belief and faith and trust and just enjoyment in what you're doing, it's going to be harder for your body to like absorb that work, right? So if you're doing you know, mile repeats and you hate it and you got to, you know, frown on your face and all of that, your body's going to absorb that work differently than if you're going into it with passion and excitement and love. And that sounds woo woo, I know, but this has also been proven, right? They've done these studies, again, not studies that I approve of, but um, like studies with monkeys where like if they have done these things where like um, they hold like the four fingers down on the monkeys and then, and then they have like and they, they basically have them extend their one finger that isn't tied down, you know, 10,000 times, right? And they see how it forms the pathways in the brain uh, and, and say, say things like that. They've been able to do that, but they've also gotten the same results from, you know, a similar monkey doing the same pattern, right? Four, holding four fingers down and doing one finger extensions. And what they've done is light up the pleasure center of their brain as they're doing those extensions. And they realize that the amount of amount of repetition needed to get that kind of wiring in their brain, you know, done and dusted in terms of, you know, the neuroplastic, neuroplasticity involved in that action, they didn't need nearly as many reps if that if they kind of lit up the pleasure center of the brain. And again, this is like it's horrifying to like recant that study and I don't enjoy doing it, but this is a scientific thing that has been anecdotally known for a long time that if you enjoy something in terms of the activity that you're ingrained into, it's going to stick. And that is something that I'm going to work harder and being intentional about instead of my moods, 
instead of being reactive to my moods, being proactive and intentional about how I'm viewing the world, how I'm viewing myself, and how I'm viewing the activities that I'm choosing to do. And by doing so, that will help me reach whatever the goals are moving forward and or just enjoying the process even more. And if I do that, the benefit is not only is it going to be a more enjoyable experience, obviously, since that's what I just said, but also it will help me down the line to whatever goal I'm trying to get to. A complete win-win situation. So that's where we are. So we have June and July, two more months of Mastering 40 after this episode. Who knows how much I'll be running during that time? I don't know, but that doesn't mean that I can't take um, learning experiences from this process and hopefully pass them on to you. I don't know if any of this will help you and your running. Maybe it will help you at a certain point in your activities and you can uh, look at some of the some of the mistakes that I've made or some of the learning experiences that I've had and you can learn from them without having to go through them yourself. That would be wonderful. I don't want you to have to go through some of the stuff uh, just so you can relearn something that I've already learned. So, hey, take... Take what I've done well and say, hey, am I doing that? If so, great. Good for you. Take the things that some things that I haven't done well and some of the things that I don't feel good about and say, hey, am I doing similar things? Am I falling into the same patterns Matt's falling into? If so, maybe I can correct that before I get injured or before whatever. Um, before I act the way Matt has in certain circumstances. So uh, I would love that for you as well. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song Righteous Path featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.